Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Do you wake up groggy in the morning? And do you recognize that your sleep quality isn't that great? Unfortunately for the majority of the population, people are not getting enough sleep and they're not getting deep sleep. And this is having a lot of different issues on our overall health. And unfortunately as well, a lot of people will sacrifice their sleep in order to watch YouTube videos or do whatever it is because they feel like sleep isn't that important or you can sleep when you're dead. But by having these attitudes towards sleep, are we setting ourselves up to have even more health issues later on in life? What's up, everyone? I'm Brian Carroll, and I'm here to help people move more, eat well, and be adventurous. And today, I have Devin Burke on the show to teach us all about sleep quality and how to get the best sleep of our lives. Now, Devin, he is going to share with us a lot of different ways to enhance our sleep, uh, new and upcoming technology that helps us to get deeper into sleep and maintain deeper sleep and have better sleep quality through the entire night and also different ways to enter into sleep without, uh, you know, tossing and turning at night and staying up super late. So Devin Burke is an international and TEDx speaker. He's also the best-selling author of The Sleep Advantage and the founder of Sleep Science Academy and is one of the top health and sleep coaches in the world. His books, keynotes, programs, and videos have inspired thousands of people to improve their sleep, energy, and life. And so this was a fantastic conversation, and I, I've said it in episodes before, and I keep saying it. We really need to start focusing more on our sleep quality. And once you do, you're going to notice significant changes in your overall life, your clarity of mind, your ability to you know, deal with people and deal with work and different stresses in our lives. So sleep is one of the main foundations that we need to optimize for our own health routines, which because it's so important, there will be different resources in the show notes at summitforwellness.com slash 167 that you can go check out for different ways to enhance your sleep and uh, different products that might help you to breathe better and whatnot at night as well. Now, if you are watching this on YouTube, there are some video quality issues, and that is all due to the AWS outage that was a couple weeks ago. And unfortunately, that is one of the downfalls of utilizing different platforms to record stuff like the podcast, that when they go down, we end up having issues. But overall, the audio quality is still there, and all the information is still very important. So just recognize that that the video quality isn't top-notch. But other than that, let's dive into my conversation with Devin Burke. Thank you, Devin, for coming on to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Excited to talk sleep with you. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it too, and I always want to know, how do you even get into the realm of sleep studies? So can you tell us a little bit about your background and what got you so passionate about sleep? Yeah, I'll give you the quick version. So I was um, ignorant to how important sleep actually is to our health or performance in our life. I'd studied, I actually was on, I was studying to become a doctor of physical therapy. And long story short, realized wasn't that passionate about, you know, PT, couldn't see myself doing that long term. Searching for, you know, what am I going to do? How can I help people? Got into health coaching 
um, studied nutrition and then really got into psychology. And I was working with a lot of high-performing entrepreneurs. Someone I was working with had a sleep issue and asked me, hey, do you know anything about sleep? You know, a lot about the body and nutrition and psychology and mindset. But, you know, he's like, I'm having this issue with sleep. And I was like, honestly, I don't. I, I thought it was a waste of time. So long story short, I started to look into, well, let me, let me look into it, look into the science, started looking at what was available. I was like, oh my gosh, how could I have missed this? I mean, it just, my eyes were open to not only how important sleep was, but how little there was that was available for people that struggle with sleep. So then that stuck, that sent me down a rabbit hole of studying science of sleep and then also sort of looking at, well, how can I take everything I learned over the last decade in health and wellness, I just call it mind-body technologies, and and really tailored specifically towards helping people have breakthroughs with their sleep. Pretty amazing how a lot of people sit there and they they don't recognize how important sleep is. Like you have a lot of people that live their lives going, I can sleep when I I'm dead, um, and. Mm-hmm. Looking at like a lot of the youth now, a lot of kids are staying up till 2, 3 a.m. playing on their phones and whatnot, and they're totally sacrificing their sleep, and then they're up at, four, uh, I don't know, 6, 7 o'clock for school. So sleep seems to be one of those things that we need to talk about more, but it's one of the things that we sacrifice first. So is that what you've seen in your experience as well? A hundred percent, and there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, socially, we're conditioned to see it as a weakness. We're conditioned to believe that it's a waste of time. You know, you snooze, you lose. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Um, you know, and and now there's a lot of distractions that keep people from prioritizing and protecting sleep. Like you, you mentioned a couple, you know, gaming or for, for young kids, uh, Netflix. I think the CEO of Netflix actually said his, his, comp, his competition is sleep. You know, so it's, we, it's, it's a real... It's a real challenge with technology as well as social, a lot of social programming, um, as well as just the structure of society with, you know, for instance, like you mentioned, kids, you know, getting up for school really early, having to catch the bus, um, you know, and, and it's not really, there's not, they're not factoring in how important sleep is. And that's changing now because people are realizing that it is important and how much it actually can help improve our, our longevity and performance and emotional health, but it's a slow shift. Um, but now there are, you know, it's, it's kind of coming from like the, the ath- athletes uh, in the world that are really protecting and, you know, prioritizing their health. And these are the top athletes. So, you know, society looks to these superstars and says, oh, I want to be like that. Right. So, okay, they're doing it. So I'll start to do it like Tom Brady or, you know, LeBron James, or people like that, um, as well as, entrepreneurs like Jeff Bezos. Um, so now there are people that are kind of these heads of society that are starting to, to talk about sleep and that's getting people interested in it, which is which is a good thing. Yeah, it's kind of scary if uh, Netflix is trying to to compete against sleep in uh, for a company that large to be able to try and figure out how to keep you more focused on their product and their app than you focusing on your own health and actually getting sleep so that in the long run i feel like that's a very bad idea just for society and it's scary that we have businesses even thinking along those lines (laughs) i agree with you i totally agree with you it's not you know there's a reason why we sleep and so if your business is to keep people from sleeping then uh your priorities need to be 
be addressed. Hopefully he, he maybe listens to this and changes his mind. Uh, yeah, so when it comes to sleep, can you tell us um, what, like, one bad night of sleep, what's that going to do for you? Are you able to recover pretty quickly from one bad night, or is there actually health uh, implications that can happen from just one bad night of sleep? Yeah, well, there are, actually. So, you know, and w- defining a bad night of sleep for one person that might be no sleep at all, or that could be, you know, less than your ideal, which is between seven to eight hours for, for adults, so, you know, let's just say you pulled an all-nighter, you know, it's definitely going to affect your hormones, it's going to affect your insulin, you're going to crave sugar and fat like crazy. Um, one night of sleep, and people that are listening to this, I'm, I'm sure we all had uh, a night of sleep that we missed, just think about how you felt the next day. You know, you're foggy, you're, you're just, you're exhausted. So it really is, when we're talking about the trifecta of health nutrition exercise and sleep sleep is the foundation because the impact of literally just missing one night of sleep is is that drastic versus missing a day of exercise or or even not eating you know if you're fasting for 24 48 hours you know that's beneficial to your health but you miss a night of sleep yeah there's there's drastic effects and not just physically but mentally as well you know you you see the your pain perception goes up by 20 percent um you know, you're not able to emotionally regulate, you misread people's emotions. So yeah, one night of sleep, um, missing one night of sleep does have pretty significant uh, impacts on our health and our, and our all, all aspects of our health, mental and physical. So if you miss one night of good sleep, how long would it take to recover from that? Is that like the next night you can yeah. sleep 10 hours and recover two hours or... You know, that's a great question. So there's a concept called sleep debt. And depending on who you're asking, there's different opinions on this. So some people are in the line of thinking that you can't recover, like it's not a debt that can be repaid. And then there's other sleep scientists that are sort of in the group of, you know, that that's no longer really true, that you can, your body can sort of catch up on sleep. I think that I'm somewhere in the middle. I think that it depends on, there's a lot of factors it depends on. Um, but ultimately if you have a, a, a poor night of sleep, yes, you want to make sure that you're prioritizing it either by taking a nap or doing something to offset it. But it, you know, again, that's, there's two, two schools of thought on this. I, I kind of can see both sides of, okay, you know, physiologically, you really can't go back in time and change things. So yes, you really can't repay that, that lost time. But there are things as far as, you know, mitigating stress on the body that you can do the next day that helps accelerate sort of the, the damage, if you will, done from, from a poor night of sleep. So we're talking about like one poor night of sleep and the next day really being able to notice a difference between how you would be if you got good sleep and versus uh, how you are without good sleep. What about for the people that consistently have poor sleep? Uh, they're waking up in the middle of the night or they're light sleepers. They have a hard time staying asleep. And so they no longer know what it feels like to have that optimal energy and that optimal clarity in their brain, et cetera. Uh, what's going on there and what can we do for those people? Yeah, and, and it's, there's a lot of those people. You know, about you know, a third of the population kind of fit that, what you just said, believe it or not. Um, so there's, there's a lot that can be done. The first thing is realizing, you know, people have to understand that becomes people's baseline and they actually think it's normal. 
So they think, oh, I have low energy or I crave sugar and fat like crazy or, you know, I'm a little brain foggy and I can't think or remember names. That kind of becomes normal for some people. It's not, maybe it's the norm for a third of the population, but it's not normal. Um, and there's a lot of things you can do. So I always say, Brian, that a great night of sleep starts as soon as you wake up. So soon as, for, for everyone. So all the things that you do throughout your day dictate whether or not you're going to be able to get a restful night of sleep. And most people do much of the opposite of what they should be doing to, to optimize it sleep. So they start their day with coffee. They start their day in a stress state, in a stress state already. You know, our cortisol is highest in the morning. So most times people are just dumping like gasoline on that fire. And then they go throughout their day back, back to back with meetings or with kids. They don't take breaks. They don't hydrate, uh, move the body enough. So there's all the sort of the lifestyle things I think that people need to be aware of. And then most importantly, then we take, those people tend to take their days into their nights. And that's, that's really not a good thing because, you know, you're taking all of that stress, all of the, you know, the challenge that came along with what a day presents at us, and then you're bringing that into your, your bed and bedroom. And then that's usually what's creating this disruption in either the ability to fall asleep or the ability to stay asleep. Most people are eating too late at night. So there's a lot of behavioral change, I think, that can, you know, for, for this specific demographic, that if they're willing to, they can make, that would make a massive difference. And it's also psychologically, though, they need to understand, I think people have to prioritize and protect it and have a willingness to not just make behavior change, but also make these psychological changes that will allow their body to do what it's designed to do, which is sleep. Just like our heart beats, our lungs breathe, sleep is a natural biological process that happens when we allow it to happen. Yeah, you made a lot of really good points there. The first one you were talking about, um, uh, messing with like your cortisol rhythms and all that type of stuff, uh, your blood sugar regulation throughout the day. So if you're not starting the day with a meal that's adequate for your own body and you start going on a blood sugar roller coaster ride for the rest of the day, then that can really screw up your um your circadian rhythm and your sleep habits, but also the fact that you talked about a lot of people are taking on stress throughout the entire day, and then they're taking that to bed. Uh, it makes me think about a lot of people, one of their ways to de-stress is, um, you know, having a couple drinks of alcohol in the evenings, Yeah, which that has right. implications on your ability to sleep adequately as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. So it specifically, it might help you fall asleep faster because, you know, alcohol is a sedative, but it also disturbs the quality of sleep, specifically REM sleep, which is really important for emotional, or when we're working out our emotional trauma of the day, short-term, you know, memory gets shuttled to long-term storage. So alcohol is a stressor on the body. Essentially, it's poison. And we're, you know, it dehydrates you. It's also a diuretic. So you lose already a liter of water a night just through sweat and breath. So you, you put a couple of drinks in your system, now you're already going into the night in a dehydrated state, so you're usually gonna have to wake up and urinate, and you're, then your, your cortisol levels are also gonna be higher, because again, it's, it's sort of, initially it buffers that, but then there's a spike later on, there's consequence to it. And I've actually, we, we've helped a lot of people that have become alcoholics, believe it or not, as a result of using alcohol as a sleep aid. It's very common. People start off with maybe just using it a little bit, like a glass of wine. One glass becomes two glasses, then it becomes the whole bottle. And before you know it, now they're mixing in Ambien 
and they're in a bad situation. Um, so, you know, alcohol, again, alcohol, I have red wine, you know, once in a while, a nice tequila drink, you know, um, it's, it's not like you, you don't have to never drink, but using it to help you sleep isn't, isn't really a good idea. So you had mentioned the fluid loss uh, through sweat and breathing while sleeping. Uh, and it made me think about mouth breathers versus nose breathers as they're sleeping. And I'm curious, is there a difference in uh, sleep quality based off of the way that you normally breathe? Um, and for people like myself, I have or I broke my nose at one point and it's very difficult to breathe through my nose. So my next mm. go-to obviously is to breathe through my mouth. So people like me that might have a situation like that, how do you improve your sleep quality when you're a mouth breather? Yeah, I mean, there's something called mouth taping mm. and it sounds a bit extreme. There's there's a, a book called Breathe by James Nestor that's real for people that are really specifically interested in this. Um, topic about breathing and specifically breathing when you're sleeping but ideally you are breathing through your nose and there's a couple of reasons why you want to breathe through your nose is one it's filtrating you know the, your nose hairs act act as like a, a filter you're also going to increase nitrous oxide production and there's there's a, a greater chance that you will not snore if you're breathing through your nose so training yourself to breathe through your nose um, is a great idea and it will increase the quality of sleep if you're a nose breather versus a mouth breather quality of sleep, meaning delta sleep and REM sleep. Uh, so mouth taping is great. You could also use, there's these little expanders that you can put in your nostrils. There's a company called Mute that you, it's like this little plastic um, sort of piece that you put in your nostrils that act like opens up the nasal passages. Or you could even use classic breathe right strips that go overneath the nose that sort of open the nasal passages. If it's really bad, and you, you're somebody like yourself that has you know a broken nose and you really want to like learn how to breathe through your nose, there's actually chiropractors that do this really unique procedure. I'm drawing a blank on the name specifically, but they put these balloons up your nose, blow up these balloons, it's extremely painful, but it'll just reset, open up the, you know, all of the sinus cavities. Um, so that's, I heard that's like one of the most painful things you could ever do. But if you're if you're really concerned about being a mouth breather, there, those are some options. You know, from easy to more extreme and challenging. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of that one, but uh, I think I'll wait to try that one until I try all the other options first. Um, yeah, I would too. I, I, it doesn't sound fun. It doesn't sound fun. But there, but you know, it's good for people to know that there are other options out there besides actually surgery because mm. that's that, that is another option if you have a deviated septum if you have a broken nose you know going in and getting some plastic surgery which which is an option people people do that um but i think there's some steps you can take before that point as well as making sure that you're you know you don't have any allergies because a lot of people have a lot of food allergies are not realizing that they have nasal congestion mucus on top of maybe a already sort of compromised structural issue so um, making sure that you're you know, eating foods that don't create mucus and don't have any food allergies is also a good thing to kind of find out if you're having issues breathing. So one thing I've always wondered when it comes to mouth taping is someone like yourself or myself, uh, we both have facial hair. Can you do the mouth tape with, with facial hair or are you going to rip some of that hair off? Yeah, that's a great <laughs> I love that question well i i do it and have done it for for multiple 
nights in a row and I still am able to have my facial hair. So, so far, so good. They, they, they make these, um, a company makes a specific mouth tape called Salmonex, you can get it on Amazon, uh, that kind of just, it doesn't, it's a little bit less uh, intense. It has a little sort of piece in the middle that you can breathe out of. Um, so you, you don't feel like you're, you're suffocating if you have the medical tape on. But yeah, so, so far, so good. I, 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 you know, I still have my mustache and my goatee. So, so far it's, um, but yeah, it's, it's not, you don't want to be putting too much of that tape on your mouth because it, it, it could be painful trying to pull it off. <laughs> yeah. If it hurts, then I might as well just keep mouth breathing. Um, now when it comes to like the, the environment that you're in, um, I know a lot of people might use like white noise machines. Uh, there's quite a few people that live in, you know, big cities and whatnot. So they have sirens going off. They have just a normal city noises all around them. What is like the ideal environment to be in to get the most adequate sleep? Yeah. So this is an important topic. Our environment absolutely makes a big difference in terms of quality sleep. And specifically when we're talking about sound optimization. So quiet is, is best, but some people don't have the, the opportunity to do that. Some people do, even if you have headphones in or you're using earplugs or you're doing something, you, you might live in a city and even with all that stuff, you still hear sirens. And um, so in that case, then implementing some white noise or pink noise um, or just like natural sounds of even like water, like a fountain or something in your bedroom, that can be anything that's found in nature as far as it's, it's, it's usually a good place to like trickling water, the sound of the ocean um, can all be helpful for sleep. You know, but really, if the, the quiet, quiet, you want your room, your bedroom, cold, dark, and quiet. You know, cold, dark, and quiet, you want it clean, you want to have fresh air, you want to have fresh sheets, you want to make it a sanctuary. It should, the bedroom should be the space that you invest the most amount of money. The bed is the most important piece of furniture that you purchase. A lot of times, it blows my mind away. I work with a lot of very extremely successful wealthy people that have sleep issues and I always blows my mind they'll spend way too much money on the furniture in the living room and the kitchen and then we talk or you know they're talking about well, what kind of bed you have I'm like are you kidding me you bought that bed why like that's the most you're you're in you're in your bed a third of your life that is an important piece of furniture it should be you know, it should be very comfortable and it should support your spine and you should invest in it, you know, and get, get the best bed you possibly can, can afford for you. Um, so, yeah, so, so we're talking about the physical services. We're talking about the air quality. We're talking about the light quality. We're also talking about the sound quality. All of those factors, you know, all, all the senses, essentially, you want to try to, the best you can, um, mitigate stresses. So that you can, your body can, can really get into a deep sleep. Yeah, I never really thought about that before until you started talking. But the bedroom is probably the one room in the house that you spend the most time compared to any other room in your living space. And yeah, if you don't actually set it up to be working for you and benefiting you, then that's a huge 
um, area of improvement that you can do to improve your overall health quality. Um, one of the things you mentioned is light. And um, are you talking about light from natural sources like windows and all that stuff? You want to black those out? Or would like uh, a little tiny light on something charging in your room also impact your sleep? Yeah, ideally you don't want any light. You, you, you know, so electronics should not be in the bedroom. That means your, your TV, your phone, your, you know, any, any little LED lights. Like even when you travel, you bring some just black electrical tape just to kind of put it over those little red lights in the hotel room. Um, you know, turn the, the clock. There's a clock in the hotel down so that, that that LED light is not being shown. Also, if you do wake up, you don't want to know what time it is because that's going to create anxiety. For most people um so yeah there, there was an interesting study that showed that even light that your eyes can't see that's just on your skin affected the quality of sleep so in a perfect optimized environment just think about like a cave like what is a cave a cave is completely dark it's cold and it's quiet so make your bedroom a cave make your your your, your bedroom a sleep cave and you can do that Either you're using blackout shades, or if you don't want to, you know, if you're on a budget, get eye mask, earplugs, um, you know. But it really, you, you can you can really make minor changes over several months and make, you know, they, they do make a difference. Like one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that easy hack for improving sleep quality is sleeping on an incline, on a five degree incline. Incline sleeping is um, absolutely something that I suggest everyone tries. You can get little bed risers to put on the front of your bed, or um, they do make these sort of foam inserts that gradually increase your mattress by about five, five degrees, five to seven degrees. And the reason for that is it helps activate the glimpse system, which is the lymph system in the brain. And during the night, beta amyloid and all these, all this plaque that builds up, all these toxins, Essentially, all that gets flushed out. The, the glimpse system is activated. The brain shrinks a little bit. The cerebral spinal fluid kind of flushes all the stuff out. And they found that when you're sleeping on an incline, actually, it's easier for the body to have that process be activated. And if you're a snorer, if you have acid reflux, also being in an incline position is also going to be beneficial. So there's a lot of reasons why sleeping on a slight incline is, is a good idea. Do you run into any type of circulation issue if you're sleeping at a slight incline like that where maybe your feet or your legs aren't getting as much blood flow or maybe too much blood flow? Maybe things are pulling up down there. Um, is that a concern at all? No, I mean, if you're, you know, again, you don't want to, we're not talking about like an extreme incline. So like a five degree incline isn't that extreme. It is a, a bit, but it actually helps with the circulation. Um, so, you know, it, if you look into nature, most animals actually do sleep on an incline. And so it's, it's, it's natural to sleep on an incline. It's, I don't know with where the idea of sleeping flat came from, but um, incline sleeping is definitely a, a, a biohack, if you will, or, or something that you can implement that I've noticed personally in my own sleep, specifically deep sleep, it's, it's increased massively for, as a result of sleeping on an incline. So from personal experience, as well as you know, there are some science out now that show that it can be beneficial. But at the end of the day, everyone's different. And if you have, you know, certain conditions, um, you might want to, you know, experiment with it. And if you find that it's not helping, then, then obviously don't do it. 
And how about some of those sleep systems that uh, they have like um, water flowing through them or some type of heating and cooling system to try and regulate uh, body temperature or bed temperature while you're sleeping through the night? Yeah, so, so you're talking about, so there's, there's a company called uh, Chili, and they make a technology called the Chili Pad, which is a pad that goes between you and your mattress that regulates your body temperature through the use of cooling and heated water. I actually have their weighted blanket, it's like Chili Blanket it's called, and it's a weighted blanket that has the, the same type of technology in it. It's great. Um, the thing is, you know, when we're talking about increasing quality of sleep, temperature is really important to talk about because that definitely certain stages of sleep we need. If our bodies are in an optimal temperature, we'll get better increased quality of sleep. So I'm a fan of it. I, you know, so I, I think that it, it's, it's fantastic. There are um, a, a number of other products that are available, like the BedJet. There's another one called uh, the Sleep 8 Pod that I've heard really good things about. Um, you know, I, for, for me personally, I sleep with bamboo sheets, bamboo sheets, it's like temperature regulating, uh, sheets are really important as well as you can do things, you know, keeping your, your thermostat at 68 degrees, or if you live in a state like where you live, you can just open up your windows and get that nice fresh air. Um, but yeah, so there, there are for sure, there's, there's technology that you can implement into the bedroom that can be beneficial for temperature regulation. I think there's going to be even more coming out in the years to come with this specific um, sort of biohack for sleep. What about uh, head support? I'm sure you have some uh, good ideas around pillows and whatnot. Uh, can you talk about some of those options as well? Yeah, I can. So yeah, head support is important. Essentially, when you're sleeping, depending on the position you sleep in is going to dictate what type of head support you really should be using. So if you're a back sleeper, if you're a slide sleeper, if you're a stomach sleeper, really, that's going to make a difference. But at the end of the day, what you're going for, no matter what position you sleep in, is spinal alignment and, and comfort. And there's all different types of pillows. I've tried a lot of them just in my own quest for improving sleep and to you know, to be able to speak about it. And at the end of the day, you want to just have a pillow that's support, it's supportive to your neck and your sleeping position. So you want your neck aligned with your spine. So really your pillow should be filling this between the, 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 your shoulder to your neck, that area. If you're a side sleeper, that should be filled and supported. Um, and if you're on your back, they do make these amazing pillows that sort of fill in the cervical area here that still keep, again, that spinal alignment. Stomach, if you're a stomach sleeper, that's not really ideal, to be honest. Um, it's not a healthy position for, for your spine over a long period of time. So if you are a stomach sleeper, I would suggest trying to break that pattern. If, if you know, it, it really isn't ideal. Um, but again, having a pillow, a very thin pillow then to keep, keep your head aligned with your, your cervical spine. That's really what you're looking for is cervical spinal support and alignment. And every body is different, literally. So depending on your, you know, your, your mattress too, that's another factor, you know, how, how, how thick or, you know, what is the surface of your mattress? Do you sleep on your mattress or do you sleep in your mattress? Um, so those are, there's two different sort of sleeping surfaces like a Tempur-Pedic would be somebody that sleeps in the mattress versus more of like a latex-based mattress. 
where you sleep on it. So there's, it, I don't want to like overwhelm people here with information, uh, but at the end of the day, just get a pillow that keeps your, your head in alignment. And how you'll know if your head's in alignment is you can, you can literally, it'll feel good. Um, and you can have somebody look and just say, hey, is my head, just, does my head look like it's crooked or is it straight? Um, and then just go from there. So earlier you had mentioned that your night of good sleep begins the morning before. Um, so that leads me to questions when it comes to um, adequate ways of waking up in the morning. And I feel like right now we're all living with a very unnatural way of waking up, which is utilizing alarm clocks to scream at us until we get out of bed. So is there is there better ways of waking up? And is there some ways that we can use these uh, better ways without missing our start times for work or getting our kids to school or anything like that? Yeah, so it isn't ideal to wake up to a blaring alarm for a lot of reasons. So, and again, everyone's situation is different. So this, this is a, a bit of a challenging question to answer, but what stage of sleep that you wake up in absolutely makes a difference. And a lot of times people's alarm clocks are pulling them out of the wrong stage of sleep, which is why they wake up groggy and sort of, you know, in a daze. Um, so if you do have to get up for a certain, you know, time, start time, they, they do make some great alarm clocks that actually bring in light so and noise and, and even sometimes vibration that it's way more, um, le- way, I say way less stress inducing. So there's these, these night lights. So if, if, for instance, for someone that has to be up, that wants to use an alarm clock, get one of these night lights that start, slowly starts to bring light into the bedroom and has like a, a more relaxing sort of tone to, to wake up to. If Ideally, though, you wake up without an alarm. In a, in a perfect world, you wake up without an alarm and your body you know, is, is, is synced to the natural rhythms of the earth. So when the sun starts to come up, usually that's when you should be starting to, to wake up. Uh, and so depending on your chronotype and your chronobiology, there's, there's, there's a whole another rabbit hole we can go into. So it's just try your best to wake up in a natural way. And if you have to use a device to wake you up, have something that uses light and starts to gradually wake you up. That's, that's the best. They, now they do make mattresses and things that kind of have some really cool features now that literally will start to warm up to wake you up or vibrate um, and again now there's some really there's some really cool technology that's coming out that's going to make this even more advanced because they're tracking your sleep and stages of sleep and then kind of waking you up in that ideal sleep but for most people you just don't want to be waking up with crazy alarm clock or order your phone that's that's not really going to be the, the best way try to find another way so it's almost like um, simulating a, a sunrise and then that way that's, that's waking correct. you up. That's right. Yeah, if you can bring what nature already does in outside into your home, that's great. Try to do that as much as possible. And you know, that's really nature is perfect. It has all the answers, it has all the solutions. The further we get away from nature, the more disorder and disease we have. So another big question is in accordance with um uh, bringing technology into the bedroom and just the EMFs that they might put off and how that might impact us. Is that something that we should be 
paying attention to, or is there not enough information out there to show that that could impact sleep quality? Yeah, well, it's, it's really interesting, right? So there's, there's evidence that supports both. Hmm. And so I think certain people are more hypersensitive than, than other people. I think that it's probably a good idea to mitigate your exposure to EMFs because you know, why risk it? Like it, it, there's science that kind of says, oh, it's safe. There's science that says it's definitely not safe. So it's one of those things like I would rather not find out later, like cigarettes. Doctors are, you know, giving people cigarettes and then later on they're like, oh, by the way, cigarettes cause cancer and all this. I'd rather be on the other side of that. So I, I, I tend to be more cautious when it comes to EMFs and electromagnetic frequencies. So some easy ways to mitigate that in your home is make sure that you have a timer plugged into your, your Wi-Fi system so that you know, at a certain amount of time, you know, the, the timer goes off and there's no Wi-Fi in, the home, in your home. So simple to do that. Um, not bringing devices into your bed and bedroom, or if you do, make sure that they're on airplane mode. Really important. Um, and you know, there you can you can take it to the next level and and sort of hardwire your house, and you could get EMF paint and 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 go crazy with it, uh, or get like a grounding mat for your bed or a grounding pad that you stand on. And it, yeah, I mean, experiment with that. And some people swear by it. I, I'm a big believer in experimentation, but I, I would definitely be mindful of the amount of EMF exposure and try to mitigate that as much as possible in, in a way that you're comfortable with. That's my opinion on that. Perfect. And then uh, my final question that I want to cover is when it comes to wearables, um, like some of these sleep trackers, Aura is one of them. Um, there's a lot of different watches that say they track sleep. Are these accurate at this point, or is it just kind of random data that doesn't have a whole lot of backing to it? Yeah, so... The devices have come a long way. They're getting more accurate. Are they perfect? They're far from perfect. The one that we use, and we've used, we and tested a lot of different devices. Um, we, we decided to use the Aura Ring just because it shows the best data for sleep specifically. And I've tested, you know, the Amazon Halo and the Fitbit, and there's all these other things that are out there, the Whoop Strap and, you know, the, withering, the Withering's uh, devices. The Aura Ring does give consistent data. Their Gen 3 Ring is newer technology. So we, I do, I've been using the Aura Ring for almost four and a half, five years um, from their Gen 2 Ring to their, now they're on their Gen 3, which just launched this last month. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I think it's, it, it is important to measure because we manage what we measure, but also don't get hung up so much on the data because it isn't, it isn't 100% perfect, but it's getting better and better. So that's exciting. Um, and, and just for sleep specifically, if you are interested in tracking your sleep, Aura Ring does, they do a good job. The, the, the statistics on that and the, you know, the data that that device gives is, is, is pretty good. So if you see there's a two-minute difference between last night and the night before, don't freak out over that. <laughs> Exactly. You know, there's there's a whole there's actually a it's a orthorexia. It's a people become have become obsessed with the their sleep data, and there's actually it's a psychological term now because people just start getting like hyper obsessed with you know the quest for the perfect night of sleep. And you know, don't get hung up on the data. 
Um, but also, I think data is important and it's useful. Just like you'd go and get a blood test, and it, you say, okay, I have high cholesterol. Okay, now we know. Can we change the diet? We can put you on medication. You have an options. So with sleep, it's the same. It's the same thing. You 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 really because you're in and out of consciousness, measuring it is helpful. Because unless you're measuring it, you're not going to really know the impact of implementing some of the things that we talked about on this podcast. Awesome. Well, are there any final things, Devin, that you want to make sure we cover when it comes to sleep and how to improve our overall sleep? Yeah, I would just say that sleep is not something that you can force or control. People often get, it's, sleep's the one thing that the harder you try at, the worse you get at. So, you know, you got to be careful that you don't become obsessed with trying to solve your sleep. If you're not sleeping well, it's probably because there is something that is out of balance in your life that needs to be looked at. And, you know, remember that sleep is a natural biological process that happens when we allow it to happen. So getting in, trying to control your sleep or being hyper vigilant about your sleep hygiene that, that's, that's not really the way to improve sleep. Um, accepting that where you are, no matter how bad your sleep is, and knowing that there's also a path to improve it is, is really, and getting support to improve it, is what I would recommend that people do that are, that are struggling with their sleep. And then my final question for you is, what is your vision of what healthy looks like, and what are three things you do daily to reach that vision? So my vision for what healthy looks like is freedom, freedom in your in your mind, freedom in your in your body, uh, and freedom to to really surround yourself with people that you care about that inspire you. So time freedom is 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 part of that. So uh, three three things that I do on a daily basis to support my uh, vision of of a healthy life and lifestyle is I I meditate every single morning. I have a practice, mindfulness practice that is is become part of my life. I take walks, and and I and I try to get outside as much as possible. So my goal now is five hours a day outside. Um, that's that's my goal, and I, I I'm lucky enough to live in South Florida. So you know, for most of the year, I I can you know be outside on my laptop and um, and it works. So yeah, just getting outside. And it's and, and having a practice that brings you back to the center uh, of yourself is uh, has has great great benefits and has yielded a great opportunity for for me to experience more freedom. So excellent, yeah. You told me that it's seventy five degrees down there right now in Florida, which is like you know forty degrees more than it is back here in Washington. So yeah. Being able to sit outside and work on your laptop, and that sounds amazing down there. <laughs> not gonna lie. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. You know, if that's not available to you, it's. It's. Uh, you know, that I think you can always just visit Florida. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not. It's only a plane ride away. So, um, you know, keep that in mind. Well, people can fo- find out more about you over at sleepscienceacademy.com. You're also on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And you have a book as well, The Sleep Advantage. Can you tell us what's in that book? Yeah, so The Sleep Advantage really is a step-by-step guide for better sleep. So essentially, it's it gives people uh, a framework and actionable um, strategies and techniques to go from you know either sleeping well and then to sleeping really well 
or somebody that's not sleeping well at all, how do you how do you really have a, a system around improving your sleep in a way that makes sense that's not overwhelming? That's really what's in the sleep advantage. Awesome, Devin. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and teaching us about sleep. Uh, like I said, it's super important topic, and I think be- people um, forget just how important sleep is, and they're willing to sacrifice it a little bit too much. So thanks for coming on the mm-hmm. show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a great conversation. Appreciate it. Wow, we covered a lot of information in this episode. And like I mentioned before, there will be a lot of resources at summitforwellness.com slash 167. So you can just head on over to the show notes. You can see the transcripts and a lot of the resources right there. And to learn more about Devin, head on over to sleepscienceacademy.com. And hopefully the information from this episode will help you to get some of the best sleep of your life. And you will start to notice some significant changes in your health and overall performance by getting better sleep. Now, this is the second to last episode of 2021. And the next episode will be the recap of 2021. And it'll be over the top five episodes from the year. So just be on the lookout for that. That's going to come out after Christmas and right before the new year. And other than that, keep climbing to the peak of your health.